This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Red Excuses, Season 7, Episode 29, The Villain Problem. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're trying to take over the world. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And I'm not as evil as Dan is. Aww. <laughs> I'm not. <clears throat> <laughs> Poor Mary. So I believe twice now in recent months on Red Excuses, I have referenced The Villain Problem, which is the issue that we run into where the heroes are less productive. Um, less proactive than the villains. The villain tries to achieve something, and the, villain, the hero then reacts against what the, hero, the villain is trying to achieve. And this is one of the most basic reasons why villains tend to steal the spotlight um, in fiction. And if you aren't watching, you often will run into this problem. And so we want to talk about ways to avoid it, um, dig into what really causes it, and um, how you can go about making your heroes more proactive without um, actually having them try to take over the world instead. Though that would be a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> I think you wrote that story, didn't you? The, the heroes try to take over the world before the villains can do it? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Just a little bit with Mistborn. Yeah, I did, a little bit. <laughs> so, um, so, the villain problem. This is really prominent in, um, in comic books. Yes. Oh I think goodness. no one is more subject to this than Batman. Batman yes. um, is almost defined by his villains. That's right. And it, people talk about, you know, how great, quote unquote, his rogues gallery is, mm-hmm. which has always been interesting to me that he has the best one. Um, but it is because his villains just are so colorful and they're trying so many interesting things to try and take over the world. It's also interesting because as superheroes go, he's one of the least powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and because he is the least powerful, most of his villains are basically just crazy people. Yeah. Uh, and so they, uh, the writers really have the chance to run with whatever weird thing they can think of, and it's still a legitimate challenge for their guy with no superpowers. Yeah. So um, let's talk about this. I see this in new writers fairly often. They come to me and say, my villain is just awesome, and I'm worried he's stealing the show, or she's stealing the show. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you reply to this person? Well, since we've already brought up Batman, very quickly, I'm going to point you at the Christopher Nolan movies which uh-huh. solved this problem in large degree by giving, in each movie, Batman gets a, uh, a very clear goal. In The Dark Knight, I mean, Heath Ledger took over that movie with an amazing Joker, but Batman is still the driving force behind it because he's trying to quit. He's trying, you know, from beginning to end, he's trying to do something. He's not just reacting the whole uh-huh. time. Yeah, and I think that that's really the key. The problem is that it's, it's very easy to get into the, um, the path where the villain does something and then the hero reacts to it because that's the way, for the most part, the book has to start. Right. The villain is the one, you know, usually, not always, but usually your hero is having a more or less normal r- life and then something goes horribly, horribly wrong because of whatever the villain is doing. It's, a, it's exactly the issue with Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Um, though I wouldn't say the villain takes over there because the way Tolkien avoids right. that is by having the villain be basically a non-entity. He's an evil force off somewhere. Yeah. But Gollum takes over very quickly. Yes. Because he is very active and and everyone is reacting to what right. he Right, and he's passionate. Yes. That's the thing that Gollum um, has over Frodo, and one of the reasons right. Gollum takes, steals the show a bit is Frodo's doing this out of duty, and Gollum's doing it because of true passion and love. He just wants that ring so badly that he can taste it. Yeah. And you, as a, as a reader, react to this. We react to proactivity, we react to passion. So that should be your first clue about if you're having this problem, what to do. Your hero needs to be passionate about something. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the really good writers who know um, what they're doing, this includes, um, this includes the, the superhero things. I mean, if we look at Spider-Man, a lot of the great writing in Spider-Man comes because they will take Peter Parker and focus on his passions. He's in love with Mary Jane, or he really wants to be a great scientist, or he, you know, he has his, his quirky geek passions and things. And you focus on these, and suddenly his love for these things humanizes him and gives him a driving motivation, which therefore lets him steal back the light. Yeah, and I think that that's something that actually points out something that um, people will often try to do when their villain is really evil. They try to compensate by going the opposite direction by making their good guy really, really good. Right. And, you know, the, the bad guys get all the less best lines in films and books because they're the ones who can be mean. They're the ones right. who can say the things that are socially unacceptable. They're, they're the ones who can go in for the punchline. So with your, your good guy, you want to look for opportunities to give them uh, internal conflict, something right. that where they are struggling with themselves, struggling with something in the situation besides the villain so that they get to deliver those good lines. That's why the cop on the edge um, yes. in the, the 70s and 80s became a, the dominant hero form for that type of storytelling, for the action movie. Why one of the most uh, iconic moments in Firefly is the moment where Mal kicks the guy into the right. intake of the spaceship. Um, <laughs> And the next guy says, yeah, sure, you know, we'll negotiate here. We'll take the money back to the boss. Right. You know. Right. The, the, the cop on the edge, the, the hero who's got a bit of darkness in him. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you'll notice that that's when a lot of people highlight Batman becoming really interesting, is when Batman stopped being Boy Scout and started being cop on the edge. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that's how you have to take it, but it well, is worth studying. And, and, and while we're talking about Mal from Firefly, he is, on the other hand... One of the most honorable characters you'll see on TV. Right. Yeah. Great lines like, if I ever kill you, you'll be facing me and you'll have a gun in your hand. You know, he, he, he is a good combination. He's not just a bad guy on the good guy team. Right, you know, right. Another, another approach to this, and, and uh, you know, at risk of uh, covering territory we've covered before, um, was it Edward Nolan? Um, I, forget, I forget who the, who the actor, Edward Norton, uh, in Italian Job who turns out to be our betrayer uh, in the very beginning. Right. Um, you know, he got some fantastic lines. You know, I'll just take all of yours. Um, mm -hmm. And then he does. And those heroes, and he was an interesting villain, um, but those heroes were interesting because they got proactive. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the villain got smart, and they had to improvise. And so if you look at, uh, you look at heist movies, you look at caper movies, that have interesting villains and say, okay, mm -hmm. 
what did the what did our protagonists do that was interesting? Well, they came up with a plan. Right. They came yes. up with a plan and they tried to execute on it. And even if things went wrong, you could see them doing stuff, which is doing stuff uh, in advance of stuff just happening. Right. Yeah. You you want to see this done beautifully? Go back and read one of the Harry Potter books because there is almost a perfect sliding scale of reactive to active mm. as the heroes move through it. And the more information they learn, the more plans they start to form until by the end, Harry and his friends are you know, going full bore on their own plan to stop the bad guy. Yeah, well you can also, you can make an argument for, um, if you come to me and it's the first quarter of your book and you say, I've just written 25% and the villain is just totally stealing the show, the solution may not be to go back and rewrite that first 25%. Your solution mm -hmm. may be to say, okay, you have hit the point where you've got the call to action, where you've got the change, where the hero needs to step up and, and take control of their own story. And that may be the perfect archetype for you. You may have a fascinating villain for the beginning to hook people and keep them reading. And then the, your, your protagonist accepts the call, steps up and becomes just as interesting. And if you can do that, you'll have a great story. You know, a couple of years back, uh, we did a cast in which we talked about the, uh, uh, talked about the three-act format and uh, the, the sequence of disasters. Right. Um, uh, act one, uh, chase them up a tree. Yep. Act two, throw rocks at them. Act three, cut down the tree. Right. Um, well, if your characters spend the whole book being in the tree running away, it's boring and you haven't followed through on that right. Right. At some point, they need to build a catapult out of the tree that they right. are in. And so that even if the tree falls down, well, hey, we've got this catapult, and now it's on its side, and what can we do? Yeah, and I actually, that, that description of the three-act format, um, it, it gets tossed around a lot. Um, and it is a decent description. But I want to point out that putting your, your call to action, your accepting the call to action, does not have to come three-quarters of the way through your book or two-thirds oh, of the way through right. your book. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes when we talk about that, you assume it does. You can have your call to um, action, your, your hero step up in chapter three or four and still have the same archetype. No, I'm reluctant. No, I'm reluctant. Yeah. Okay, yes, I'm going to do this. Boom. You, will, uh, you know, uh, Die Hard yeah. is yep. an example where the call to action comes, what, ten minutes into the yep. film? Yep, and you spend the rest of that film with him, you know, taking down... The, um, the bad guys one at a time, and it, it's, it's a wonderful film. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder almost if, if we've misnamed this problem, because yeah. the villain problem implies there's a problem with your villains, and there's right. not. If your villains are that interesting, you've done something right. Yeah. Yeah. That's this the way is a I problem feel about it. with your heroes, that right. you need to step them up. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's stop for the book of the week, and we are actually going to pitch this one at Mary. Yes, this is uh, Imager, the first book of the Imager portfolio by L.E. Madison Jr. Um, I really like these books. It's a very interesting magic system uh, where people can, a very limited number of people can visualize something and make it real. And uh, his main character, uh, who has been training to be a painter, realizes that he is in fact an Imager, and um, one of the reasons that I wanted to point out these books is that there's, there's a very good villain-hero conflict going on in these books. Okay, excellent. Okay, well, uh, climb a tree over to uh, audiblepodcast.com. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, that was uh, yeah, I'm half asleep. Phone it uh, in on over to audiblepodcast.com. Oh, I went out on a limb for you guys, and this is what I get. <laughs> And we threw rocks at you. Okay. Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 14-day free trial membership and download. I need to title the book again, Mary. Imager? Imager by, by Ellie Modisett. Mm-hmm. A friend of ours and an awesome author. Yep, Nobody can do what he does. Yes. Um, all right. <clears throat> so we've mentioned two ways to make your, we're going to call this the hero problem then, to fix the hero <laughs> problem. Number one is to have them be passionate about something. And number two was to have them accept the call to arms at some point, the call to action at some point during the this, this story. What else can you do? They, there aren't only two ways to do this, I'm sure. What are other ways to make your hero as interesting as your villain? Well, oh, wait, we had another one, which is put a little darkness in them. Yeah, yeah. The, the fatal flaw. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm going to say to make sure that in addition to having a good plot arc in mind, that you also have a good character arc in mind. Okay. Yes. When you sit down to start writing... You know, even if you change it later, think of one or two traits you want that character to develop over the course of the book and then give them the chance to become better than they are at the beginning. Okay, so motion. 
Yeah. Um, if we can sense motion, you know, and I'll throw another one out here. A lot of these things are basic things we've talked about a lot, but hopefully this will help you envision them in a new way. Um, one is, another one is to make them competent. One of the reasons why we always end up with this, this issue is because very frequently the villain starts the story very capable at the height of their power. And our hero starts at the very beginning mm -hmm. of their arc without any skills, without having um, learned much about the way of the world. And I would say a, a hero is more interesting, even though you want to give them an arc, if they're good at something when they start and we, we are able to focus on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and one of the, the aspects of that, uh, I think that where it goes wrong is that people go, oh, something, something has to go wrong. My, my hero can't just you know, win this battle. Something has to go wrong. And so they, they have the hero make a mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, which often will make them appear incompetent. Right. So when you're looking at the competency and when you're looking at the conflicts, you also need to make sure that the hero is making the smartest decisions possible. Right. And then when things go wrong, it is something that is that they could not have planned for. Mm -hmm. You know, I've used this example before, but one series of films um, that never has a problem with this, in my opinion, is the Indiana Jones films. Yeah. Because... Indiana Jones from scene one is really competent. Mm -hmm. And when he fails, it's outside of his hands. You get the sense he's struggling as hard as he can. He's not perfect. He, but when he has mistakes, it's like he's trying so hard. He's not incompetent. It's just a little bit beyond his reach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the classic is the, uh, the switch of the yes. statue. Yeah, he did a great job there. And nope, not enough. Still, rock's going to fall on your head, Indy. Yeah. So run as fast as you can. And then he escapes. He's really great at escaping. Even rescues his hat. And he still gets the idol stolen from him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another movie that uh, does this well and actually cheats and makes it work is The Matrix. Okay. Neo starts off as... You know, he's introduced to us as one of the greatest hackers ever. Mm -hmm. And so he has that core of competency, and then, you know, it goes on and we see him learning other skills. The thing is, you never actually see him do any hacking. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, it's and easy so, to forget that he's a great hacker. In fact, that probably would have made that film stronger. It's a good film. Yeah. If they would have said, it's the, your ability to look at the rules and hack them mm -hmm. that you've trained yourself to do that makes you so good at imagining the matrix imagining as you your want it powers to be. and things like that. That yeah. would have been that would have that would have helped me with one of my biggest problems with that film, despite <laughs> it being a great film. Yeah. Wouldn't have saved the second two. All yeah. the, we won't go there. <laughs> Can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Another that we don't intend easy, to open. Another very easy thing to make your hero more interesting actually is uh, or and uh, to draw the audience's attention is actually to give them a sense of humor. Ah, yes. Yes, a sense of humor, a wry sense of humor. In fact, this works wonderfully in a first-person narrative. Mm -hmm. when, even when they're inactive, if in the narrative, the voice can be really engaging and say, yeah, I know I'm lame here, but that sort of thing can, um, can really distract from how inactive they are. I honestly think that's why Spider-Man took off. Yes. Not because being a spider is cool, but because wisecracking while... Uh, fighting with the bad guy, <laughs> or wisecracking while well, getting beat up. While getting beat up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the other one that I find uh, helps is having a passion that is outside the conflict. Yeah. Uh, particularly when that passion is then put into jeopardy unexpectedly by the conflict. Yep. Yeah, speaking on that passion, it kind of goes a bit deeper than that. They should have a life yes. outside of what's Very going on. So. And we've talked about this before, but make them live and breathe before the story starts. Try and write a character who would be interesting no matter what they're doing. 
and then make what they're doing be saving the world or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And if they would be interested, actually Lee, Lee Modisett, is wonderful at this. He can write a character making a barrel. He's mm -hmm. done it before in such a way that you're fascinated because this character loves barrels so much. He's so skilled at making barrels that a, a chapter of making a barrel is fascinating. And then they have to save the world. That's just awesome yeah. because if yeah. you can watch someone doing something boring. I think if you've, uh, you, fair listener, have written to the point that you've got a fantastically interesting villain and your character is not, your, your, your hero is not engaging, um, you need to ask yourself, what does the hero want? And if the answer to the question is, well, he wants to beat the bad guy, um, you need to... That's not enough. <laughs> that is not enough. And, and we've established that for you. Give him or her something to be passionate about, something, to, something that he wanted before the bad guy showed up. Or maybe the bad guy showed up and you know, made, made visible the fact that, oh, there's, uh, there's magic in the world and you can have a piece of it, but you can't because I'm going to take over the world with it and the, anything, but give him something that's better than just, I want to beat the bad guy. All right. Did we have a writing prompt buried in there somewhere? That sounded like it was a writing prompt. I can, I can refine that into okay. a writing prompt. Mary, please. So for your writing prompt, what I want you to do is to take a hero and give him a hobby and give him a, something that he loves that is a living thing. Okay. And then put those in jeopardy unexpectedly. Put, yes. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.